this morning. Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> I already got into the uh, habit of uh, doing the service like in Ukraine it is. I'm sure it's in Romania also. Um, but the, in Romania, saying, you know, uh, uh, Brother Veris would, would identify that easily. We have two services or two, two preaching uh, services. So, in other words, <laughs> there will be two or even three men preaching. So, I will be the first one. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture. We will read from verse 35 through verses, verse 38 to the end of the chapter. <clears throat> Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's look to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, it is your word, it is your message, it is, it is your commission, and it is your, the work of the Holy Spirit to bring, to bring conviction, to, bring to, to remind about the uh, sin and righteousness and judgment, and we're only your tools in your, in your mighty hands, and we gladly commit ourselves to you. And now as we look into your word, I pray that you'd encourage us in your word Enable us, Lord God. Rebuke us where we need to be rebuked. And use me as your instrument in your mighty hands. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> I am old enough to remember uh, being a teenager at the end of 80s, closer to uh, 90. This was a collapse, time of a collapse of Soviet Union. <clears throat> we read about the multitudes. In verse 36, I'd like to read once again. When he saw the multitudes, and I was when I was thinking about the word multitude, I remember those long lines for <clears throat> excuse me, please, long lines that people were standing for for just the basic grocery needs. Uh, you, you, you I, I remember the faces. You know, people just discouraged and just uh, uh, without without much a hope. You know, you can see in their eyes. And, of course, as teenagers, you know, I, as a teenager, I would, not, I would not pay such a close attention, you know. I, uh, but I do remember the lines. I do remember the, the long lines of people standing there. <clears throat> My wife, Lena, actually, uh, was, in a, what the, was in, a graduating, in, in her graduating year in high school. She read one of three volumes of uh, Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace. I don't know if you, if you can imagine. It's a, it's a massive volume. So <laughs> anyway, but the standing in lines, you know, the, how much of time. Back then there were no iPads or, or iPhones or anything like that. So. <clears throat> but the, that's how long it was taking. But you know what? Um, and, and many other stories. I mean, I, was, uh, I found on, online, I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't remember the source, but the, one of the reporters of a major broadcast company, like BBC, I think it was, uh, seeing the empty shelves in downtown Moscow, you know, the capital of that huge empire, she, she, got, a, she got hysterical when, when she saw that. She couldn't imagine this, this is 
this is happening actually. And so this is late 80s and, and, and early 90s. But the multitudes, years later, uh, like, you know, only, uh, and it happens in these years too, but while we were in Moscow specifically, being in a big city, being in such a large city, and 20 million, that's the number of the, of the population in Moscow specifically. Kiev is, is about, about four, four and a half million, unofficial number, but that's, that's how many are there, constantly moving and constantly growing. And you know what, when the Russian Orthodox Church announces um, such a thing as bringing off one of those relics of saints, uh, such as um, uh, belt of Mary or Magi's gift uh, or, or something like that, then, then people are lining up in a, and they're, they're waiting for their turn in one of the major cathedrals in, in Moscow. That, that's where it will be set. Cameras are set up and all of that. They're broadcasting it. And we actually passed by, uh, by, the, by the bank of the river. That, that, that's where that cathedral is, is uh, located, downtown Moscow. And you can see the, in, a, in a rows of about five and a length of miles, people are standing for what? just to come have a chance to come in the presence of this relic, to come and, and it shows, camera shows actually, they, they finally when they have their chance to get their faces wet with tears, you know, they fall down before it, they cry, they just, uh, in their exhaustion, in their desperation, in their lack of hope, um, and uh, they are fulfilling, of course, their religious obligation, but uh, it leaves them with nothing. And you see this, those exhausted faces of the multitudes. You know what, when I was reading this passage, um, you know, how many times we've read this passage, right? And yet, how many times we've heard messages on this passage. But the, when he saw the multitude, I believe he saw through the centuries, you know, those multitudes of people that will be there, that, 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 that are exhausted, that are scattered abroad. This morning I was reading in my Through the Bible uh, passages. One, one, of my, one of my passages was uh, uh, Revelation 20. And at the end of the Revelation 20, we'll read these verses where it says, The sea gave up, in verse 13, sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. That's where they stand before the great white throne judgment. And uh, all those multitudes, all those people, you know, those that I saw, those that you maybe have seen somewhere, but all those faces, all those people, they are, those are the ones who are gone. We cannot do anything about it. But we will, we will return to this passage, of course. And so, therefore, uh, I'd like us to look at the three simple thoughts that presented in this passage. First of all, we read, but when he saw the multitudes, in verse 36, when he saw, <clears throat> first of all, you know, in Luke chapter 10, in a passage of uh, uh, Good Samaritan, we read about uh, when a priest happened to be there, we read w w when he saw him, uh, the, the, the man that was beaten by the robbers and all of that, when he saw him, he passed by on their side. And then God's word tells us, and Levite came, of course, came and looked on him and Again, he chose to pass by, and then Samaritan, of course, again, God's word tells us that when he saw him, I mean, it's, it sounds like redundant a little bit, and yet God's word reminds that. And then what? He had compassion on him. So in other words, seeing is very important. Seeing is very, after his conversion with a Samaritan, 
uh, woman, the Lord turned to his disciples and said, say, say ye not, this is John 4, 35, say ye not that there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. And then what he says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. One thing is to look, another, another thing is to see, right? But look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Disciples could not understand that. But again, the emphasis is on seeing, Again, you know, this is, uh, this is one of the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, that the group also just returned from a mission trip and, uh, and has been eye-opener for some and for, for others, been just a, a refreshment of, uh, of the fact that going and seeing is very important. You know, obviously, that's not the most, most important factor. most important factor is, of course, the condition of our hearts, you know, how... how prepared and in tuned it is and yet we may be we may be god fearing god honoring uh god loving people reading his word and uh desiring to be to be used by him and just wanting to to uh do our best for him and yet you know especially in a society like this you know affluent society with uh with things set up and basically put in a box as far as all the schedule of people, a routine of people, we just simply get used to it and we don't see any need. Especially, you know, people don't, don't ordinarily show their, their needs so obviously, so openly. But when we see what's taking place elsewhere, can you imagine, can we imagine this, you know, on a, this Sunday afternoon, we will go out, let's say, to eat Every restaurant will be filled. It's a Sunday night, right? Golden Corral or whatever else is there and stuff. People lined up and plenty of food and stuff. Can you imagine that the majority of the world is, is staying hungry? It's kind of hard for us to imagine. We will never imagine if we continue staying here in the United States and never going out anywhere or staying here in Kansas City. That's, that's the factor that I'm trying to emphasize as far as seeing. We need to see that. So, again... The priest saw it. He chose not to do anything. Levi looked at him, passed by, but Samaritans saw him and had compassion. Look on the fields, for they're white already on a, uh, uh, to harvest. So how can I see the, the, the way the Lord sees? How can I have a heart like Moses says? You remember in Numbers 27 when he was told that he will be gathered to his fathers. When he, he says to the Lord this, this words, verses 16 and uh, Numbers 27, verses 16, 17, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregations which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in. What for? That the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. That was Moses' heart. So that they will not be scattered. There, there will be some who would lead them, who would teach them, who would have compassion on them, who would, knowing that they're going to go wrong direction, who would be their guide. So, well, first of all, it is by going what the Lord, uh, by, by doing what the Lord commanded and by going to the places where the people are. Going to the places where the people are because I know that in your mind you're thinking, you know, what, what, what do you offer? What, what, what's the proposition? Where do I go? What country shall I go? It's, it's not about the country, obviously. You know, we're reading in, uh, in this passage earlier in, uh, or in this chapter, in earlier in chapter 9, we read in verses 19 uh, how the Lord himself would go in all those places where he saw the people. Verse 19, Jesus arose and followed him. 
and so did his disciples. You know what? I believe that, you know, inspired God's word does not have any, any words, any phrases in vain or just repetitious or, or anything like that. And I do believe that we, all of us, are, are uh, in the same boat in that regard. And, uh, and so, was it so important to write about that Jesus arose and followed and Jesus went? You know, why won't just state the matter of what exactly had happened? Of course, we will not, we'll not speculate on that. But in verse 23 again, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and all of that. In verse 20, uh, uh, 32, they went out. As they went out, I'm sorry, behold, they brought him to him, a dumb man and possessed with the devil. Verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities. For almost two weeks, we were in uh, Kiev going in a major places, uh, major intersections. There's a subway station, a lot of people going in and out. You know, then there's a bus, there's a public transportation, this and that. So a, a lot of traffic, a lot of people. That's, that, those are the places we chose to be, to, to be able to hand out the, the tracts and all of that. And so you're standing there with a pack of, not tracts, but the, the invitations. And of course, there's John Romans also. And so people passing by and, and happily coming and taking it all from us. Do you believe me? No, that's not true. Absolutely not. This is not 90s anymore. In the 90s, it was like that. In the early 90s, it was like that. You could bring a truckload of, uh, of Bibles and open up the, the, the stakes and, and people will come and just take it for himself or his mother, grandmother, great-grandmother and all of that. You know, they, they weren't, not anymore. People passing by, coming, and just no thank you, or not even no thank you, won't even look your, your direction and all of that. And, you know, in a little while, you, you get weary of that. You get tired of that. You're thinking, am I doing the right thing? I mean, don't I have any better things to do? I mean, why won't I just advertise it differently? Why won't we do it differently and all of that, but not to stand and hear and look and see? But you know what? Not only the Lord himself, he commanded us to go out to the, to the people. So that we can see them, we can see them, and of course, this is not 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 everything that happens. It is according to as an answer to your prayers that uh, we do have also one way or another. Like like I show, like you saw in the pictures, thirty-five thousand invitations were uh, were handed out. I don't know how many read, how many how many thought of it, or or you know, I can imagine very small number, but we had about uh, twenty people or so coming to the meeting. Praise the Lord for those 20 people. And so, in other words, uh, but going amongst them, going first of all, and seeing them, and seeing, because uh, he saw the multitudes, um, and he was moved with compassion. It's definitely a way to see the darkness and ignorance in which the people live, in which so many are around us today. And the the Lord uh, reminds us in those times that these are the sheep that are scattered abroad. They cannot find the most important thing, the peace that will last, the peace that will, will stay with them forever. That was, that was one thing I could not find in my own life. And there was someone whom the Lord uh, urged and, and brought to his conscience and, and just uh, favored his heart. And he was friend with me, seeing his testimony for two years. He was, he was friends with me. And uh, as a result... I came to know the Lord myself. And number two, let's look at it. So it's, it's, first of all, it's seeing. It's first of all, he saw. Secondly, he was moved with compassion. You know that, that word compassion literally means to yearn in the bowels. 
So with what eyes, with what heart, the Lord saw those, uh, those multitudes. If we could imagine that happening in 21st century in a Times Square where the multitudes are, <laughs> right? Because I can't think of any, any other place where there'll be such a bunch of a big number of people that you can see at once. You know, living in a big city or growing up in a big city, this, uh, we, we saw them all the time. So not everyone is from a big city. So what kind of, a, what kind of outlook, what kind of a heart that the Lord Jesus would, would have seeing those people? They're busy with their, own, with their own business, tourists, this and that. You know, I don't say about, uh, you know, lower Manhattan, business district, financial capital of the world, and all of that. And yet, where will they be in 100 years? Where would their wealth and, and thoughts, ideas, designs, and everything be? What about their soul? Um, the condition of the people that, that, that the Lord administered to. Again, we're reading in verses 18 through 20. While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead. Can you imagine to talk to someone who, who's, okay, well... <laughs> If, if he has yeah, someone in that condition, but the, uh, uh, at the point of death, well, then there will, be, there will be someone else. Behold, a woman in verse 20, which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years. Our Lord sees all of this. Our, our Lord experiences and, and faces all of this. He comes in contact with all those people. And after that, we will read that he is... He is looking at the rest of the people who would definitely have all kinds of things like that. And of course, we may think about, you know, what well, those are physical aspects. The people had those physical aspects and, and uh, diseases and weaknesses and illnesses and all of that. Uh, today, you know, I live in a neighborhood. Things are fine. You know, people are just, you know, seems like healthy. Everybody, everybody exercises, gets their vitamins and, and all those things. So I don't even know if, if that really applies to me. Sounds silly, doesn't it? Because we don't even know what that neighbor of ours is experiencing, what is taking place in his heart, in his mind, in his life, in his, and, and where is he going to be a week from now or even tomorrow? But uh, if we could imagine the conditions these people were living in and what hardship they had to live through before they met the Lord. And, uh, uh, you know, honestly, uh, again, um, we, we read, we, we sang about our mercy of our Lord, and it's, it's been already emphasized this morning. But uh, uh, if, if the Lord would, would tell you that his attention is not directed to those places where there are natural disasters, there's, there's all kinds of uh, diseases, sicknesses, famine, uh, hunger is a major problem, and, and our problems are just nothing in, comparing, in comparison with what's taking place elsewhere in the world. Honestly, by human standards, that'll be right. But, but that's not the nature of our Lord. He is compassionate to us. He knows our, our little needs in comparison with what people are, are experiencing elsewhere in the world. And um, it may not be little need. It may be major need here too. But uh, the Lord is always near. He is always, he is compassionate. That, that is his nature and uh, psalmist says that emphatically in Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. 
I had fainted unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's think about that demon-possessed man from Gadara, whom Jesus freed from certain death. You, you may recall, you know, the, when, he, when he came, um, no one wanted to go, no one wanted to listen to, to, to the Lord, to Jesus. Uh, they, they had a big financial loss. Those, those pigs drowned and, and things like that. They were scared. They're seeing this uh, demon-possessed man who, who, who would not be even, they, they could not even take control of him. And now in his right mind, sitting there. And so no one got saved except for that one man. And he wanted to go with Jesus, but Jesus told him to do what? To stay there and to be a testimony. I'm paraphrasing, but most importantly, the key phrase is how he had had compassion on the, again, it's, it's our word, compassion. And folks, I'm, I'm mentioning all of this, not that we will just once again be refreshed in, in what took place there and be just admiring and, and just in all of that, but do we have that compassion? How can we be filled with that compassion? what it takes for us to be filled with compassion towards others. And, uh, you know, this, this uh, demon-possessed man, he, um, you know, he, when all the dust was settled, we can imagine how he could think about, you know what, Jesus came only for me, basically. That's exactly what happened. No one else got saved. No one else wanted to hear him. And then God's word tells, tells us that he went to all those ten cities and he was witnessing. He was that powerful. He was the mouthpiece for, for, for the Lord there. But uh, how did the Lord know, knew me, he would think. He came only for me. And isn't that exactly what happened to us, to each one of us? God's word tells us very clearly in Ephesians, in Ephesians 2, in verses 1, in verses 5, same thing is repeated, that he had quickened us who were dead in trespasses and sins. Can you imagine if we read these words, not in our Bibles of different type of a binding and, and apps and all of that, but if the Bibles were available only in somewhere in London Museum, which, which you can find everything in the world, <laughs> but uh, under the glass in an uh, original manuscript, you know, with all those cracks and in yellow and, and with the dust and everything, and it will be read at a very special occasions once, uh, I don't know, five or ten years, and we will hear these words where it says, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Just We would have to just give a second to kind of think about it, let that sink in. That was our condition. And the medical doctors, of course, would understand a little better as far as uh, you know, seeing someone being gone in a clinical death and then coming back alive when they already had very little hope that he could tell them, you were dead, you know that? You were dead, your, your heart stopped. By, by, by medical uh, uh, indications, you were dead. And then you came alive. We were dead. That's what God's word says. And we can choose to believe it or we can choose to simply let it go like something we had heard a hundred times. But folks, it, there was someone who reached out to us at some point. And those who are dead in their trespasses and sins and never heard, never really never really heard that, the truth of God's word, well, again, I mean, they may quote the verses. They may say, oh, yeah, I go to this kind of a Fifth Baptist Church of whatever and stuff like that. So, you know what? 
What is the gospel message? You know, many times I, I come and approach to, uh, people and ask, I'm saying, well, imagine I'm a Muslim and I came to this country, which is no uncommon thing. Many of them are there like that. And I just hear about this, you know, well, you heard about Ramadan, you heard about, you know, all, all those Kurban Bayram and all, all those kind of, a, you know, it becoming prevalent. People, people hear all those names all the time. I, growing up, I never, never even heard about those. But I am here, I, I, I'm here in, 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 I'm hearing about the Christmas. What is Christmas? Who's Christ? What is that? Just tell me in the briefest way. Because to the question, do you know the gospel? They say, Absolutely. And that's how they know. They, they cannot even tell what it is. The simplicity that, that it is. And the brother emphasized about, Brother Joe emphasized about the simplicity of the gospel. And that's how the Lord left it for us. But you know, I know I'm going in a little bit different direction, but it takes compassion on our part to, to, to remind people or to, to remind ourselves, first of all, I'm sorry, that uh, we quick, he, he quickened us. He made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Romans 10 14 says, how shall they hear without a preacher? That is, that is without someone who will declare the truth of God's word in simplicity, in clarity, and of course with love. 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray, we ask you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. You know, People need to hear, people need to see that sincerity, that assurance, and of course, that peace, love that prevails in us when we declare this message. Let's just remind ourselves all of that because, because we are among unbelievers all the time. Well, you will say, I, I work in a Christian environment, I work in a Christian school, and all of that. We are among unbelievers all the time. Wherever we go, we are among unbelievers. We don't even know if that person who is in a Christian school, if, if he is a Christian or not. But it's our testimony, it's, it's the sincerity and the truth and the reaction of our life that brings the message home. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And uh, very briefly, uh, speaking of, so it's, it's first of all seeing. Secondly, it's of course being moved with compassion, and of course, uh, uh, you know, speaking of multitudes, I can, uh, you know, happen to uh, Armenia, you know, where I was born and raised, you know, very religious, they revere everything that relates to Christianity, last names, and uh, just everything is rooted in Christianity, and all of that, but uh, in reality, you know, very shallow, and very uh, uh, insignificant for, for, for people, you know, because it doesn't relate to their life, they don't know the gospel, same thing I can say about the Catholic Lithuania, where we again spent some several years there and, and being, being locked in Catholicism. Our, our dear brothers and sisters can, can probably uh, uh, emphasize that in a, in a certain way, you know, in Latin America, especially Catholicism also being very prevalent. I don't say about Tajikistan. I don't say about the Muslim countries, Eastern Ukraine, Russia, communism being, you know, being the, the religion and then all of a sudden disappearing and, and, and not, not only dis not disappearing, but uh, just uh, proving to be uh, false and people are left just on their own. People are just without any kinds of a, a rule and regulation and obviously, you know, doing everything they want to do on the, uh, according to their mind. 
So, and by just looking and observing people around us, we may think they're all right, and it's better to leave them alone, but it's only if we make our purpose to get involved and lend a helping hand to someone does the Lord fill our hearts with compassion and with a gratitude. You know, uh, I've often emphasized uh, from pulpits that uh, it, it's just the one person that we need to make uh, our purpose, our goal for to reach. Just one person. If the Lord gives an opportunity for a multitude, and we just came back from a conference, met a, met a young man. He is a former Muslim from Iran. Actually, he's Azeri by, by nationality, but born and raised in Iran. And then uh, at some point, he left uh, Iran and, uh, to Australia. There he got saved and all that. And now he's been reaching Muslims. He's been just, he's, he's on a YouTube. I can give you his name. You can hear powerful testimony, how the Lord delivered him and, and what he's doing. He's, he's reaching, he, he personally led to the Lord 500 people. He's, re, he's reaching multitudes and all of that. But let it be one person in our lifetime that we target as a person for whom we pray, in whose life we're involved in a most in a way that the Lord would lead, would lead us, not that we superimpose ourselves in, in the life of this person and make that difference and show that compassion so that, uh, so that knowing that uh, the person will never die, the soul will never die. Uh, the soul will never die. Everything else will go, but uh, that will be counted for eternity. So, um, and, uh, and very quickly at, at the end, then saith he unto his disciples, the, uh, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And what is very interesting, verse 38, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest. In other words, if we don't pray, if we take it for granted, if we say, hey, yes, I see it, I understand it, I see those fields, exactly, it, there's a need, and I'm going to go. That's not how it is. God's word says, pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Everything belongs to the Lord. This world belongs to the Lord. All the wealth and everything belongs to the Lord. And he is disposing it wherever and however he deems it fit. And uh, we are his tools. And it is his field. He asks us to commit ourselves to him in prayer and asking him for laborers. Otherwise, by taking it for granted or, or, or taking it as, as something that, well, I, I figured, I understood, I got it. Well, five years, I'll go and minister there. You're next after me and line up. So we just, let, let's just do it. The Lord, the Lord needs help. <laughs> That's not how it is. That is not how it is. In, in, uh, uh, in another place, we, of course, we read, well, you know, uh, We've, we've touched this already before that in John, John uh, 4.35 where he says uh, the, the harvest is already white or, or fields are already white unto a harvest. We only can think, we, only, uh, uh, we, we don't recognize them as such or we don't notice those this fields are as being white. And, uh, you know, again, how do we do this? It's only when I'm involved in someone's life. And... Uh, God's word tells us in Ephesians 4.15, specifically, be shot along with a list of uh, uh, um, taking the whole armor of God. One of those 
one of those armors is that to, being shot, to have our feet shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is, that, is one of the, that is one of the most important things in our life that we practice all the time where we see how, what's taking place in people's lives so that we take our attention off of ourselves uh, and just, just becoming grumpy and be, becoming discontent and disgruntled with this and that uh, only when we see what's taking place. But for, but, but for that, we are to go. We are to see, first of all, we are to be filled with compassion. And of course, we are to pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth his laborers. And for that, to be prepared, to, to have a ready heart, to prepare our hearts for this. Friends, you know what, whether it was the first church uh, or the church we just started now in 2019, it has always been the same way. People hear the truth of God's word when they witness the unity, when they witness the peace, the joy that prevails in the hearts of people. May the Lord encourage us in this truth. May he, may he put a renewed desire in our hearts to, to commit ourselves to him and pray that he will enlarge our vision, that he will make it clear. He may, you know, this is such a wonderful opportunity. I unfortunately never had a privilege to go to uh, Navajo, New Mexico. In fact, I have several questions about that. You know, as I've been asked in Russia, how do people, how do Indians in a reservation live? But the, you know what the, uh, what a wonderful opportunity Eagle Heights Baptist has to go to those mission fields to, to see the, the need, <laughs> not only to go that You don't have to go that far away. It is your neighbor also who is living that turmoil, who is living the, and on a face, there is nice smile, flashy new car, and, and all those things. But inside his heart, we don't even, we can't even imagine what's taking place. We will find out only when we will get involved. But for that, we need to go to that neighbor. We need to be filled with compassion, which only the Lord can give us as we take upon ourselves the whole armor of God. And of course, we need to pray that the Lord would encourage us, use us for his glory. Let's pray.